This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. If this is your first time listening, welcome in. If you've been listening for 11 years... Welcome back. So uh, Sherry Laskin here this week with Cruise News, as always, also a review of Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. What else do we have going on around here? A lot. Uh, Some more cruise line cancellations. That can be found at cruiseradio.net, updating that list almost daily at this point. Also, Cruise Radio News, your cruise news seven days a week. You can find that opposite of this channel. Just punch up Cruise Radio News. Also, a spot to listen on the website at cruiseradio.net. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. 10,000 more Carnival Cruise Line crew members will soon be heading home. Yeah, so Carnival Cruise Line announced they're in the process to deploy more than half their fleet to work together in an effort to bring their crew members back to their home countries. Current travel restrictions, as we all know, have made it extremely difficult for crew to return home. So the process began as the ships departed from wherever they were staying, and they're all heading to a staging area in the Bahamas. So when all these ships get clustered together, lifeboats will be used to transfer crew to the ship that is bound for their home country. And Carnival, like you said, will repatriate over 10,000 healthy crew members to their homes in Asia, Africa, Europe, India, and Latin America. So far, Carnival Spirit and Carnival Splendor are currently in the midst of returning crew to the Philippines, Singapore, and India. And last week, we mentioned that Carnival Panorama had departed from Long Beach, California to bring crew members to the Philippines, and the ship is still scheduled to reach Manila on May 8th. Carnival needs to retain, however, about 3,000 crew members just to keep their ships running during the shutdown. Earlier this week, MSC Cruises announced their return to service date will now be July 10th, and Disney Cruise Line also had an announcement. Yeah, so Disney Cruise Line has extended its return to service dates, and at this time, Disney Dream and Disney Fantasy Caribbean Cruises are canceled until embarkation resumes on Friday, June 19th of obviously 2020. Disney Wonder has canceled its Alaska cruise departures until at least July 1st, mainly because Canada's cruise ports are closed to cruise ships until that time. So we're still wondering if we're going to get ships up here to Alaska, but it all depends on what Canada decides to do. And of course, you know, if, if anything else gets extended, but passengers on these canceled Disney sailings will be issued a 125% future cruise credit valid towards, of course, any Disney Cruise Line sailing, but it has to be within 15 months of their original departure date. If you don't want to do that, you can request a 100% refund for your canceled sailings. Now, over in Europe, Disney Magic Cruises are also canceled through July 2nd, but if you're booked on Disney Magic Europe Cruises that depart all the way through July 25th, You can change your reservation up until the day before embarkation, and you'll still receive 100% cruise credit for a future Disney Cruise Line sailing, and again, within 15 months of the original departure date. So if you wait till the last minute like that to cancel, you won't get the 125%, you'll get the 100% cruise credit. 
So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what cruise lines are doing to cut costs, and we've talked about how much it costs each cruise line to operate. NCL filed some forward-looking statements with the SEC. How are they weathering this financial storm? As other cruise lines have cut their operating expenses, Norwegian has done the same uh, gradually over the last couple of months. Uh, first and foremost, shoreside employees are now working four days a week, and they've had a 20% pay cut. Of course, the marketing being slashed and advertising has taken a steep dive, too. And add to that, the cruise line has put most of their ships into cold layup, basically taking them out of service with only officers and crew who are deemed essential to remain on board. And most important for Norwegian's financial health, last week the cruise line received debt relief to defer payments on their new ships that are on order. So this gives the cruise line until 2021 to start paying down on the $300 million worth of debt. And the company seems to believe that their cost-cutting efforts should take monthly operating expenses down from $150 million a month to somewhere closer in the vicinity of 70 to $110 million a month. And a lot of the impact you know, comes from people who have had their cruises canceled and it's evenly split people who opted for Norwegian's 125% future cruise credit, but the other 50% who prefer a cash refund. So that's really going to ding their wallet. And according to, as you were alluding to, a, a late April filing with the SEC, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings had $1.8 billion of cruise deposits and advance bookings. So if they're giving 50% refunds, you know, that's going to be quite a big ding. It was also filed this week that Frank Del Rio, which is the CEO and president of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, the parent company, he made $17.8 million in 2019. And the outgoing president of Norwegian Cruise Line, Andy Stewart, brought home just over $5 million in 2019. Now, again, that was last year, so not relevant to the current situation, but those CEOs make a lot of money. Oh, it's amazing. No wonder they're always smiling. This next one is, I, I always would say, in your neck of the woods, but that was before you moved to Alaska. But anyway, the new cruise terminal in Port Canaveral is really taking shape. Yeah, and it's times like this that I miss my former home on the Space Coast, but it is what it is. So Port Canaveral is almost ready for the debut of their $163 million New Cruise Terminal Number 3 happening in May. In fact, it wasn't that long ago that the groundbreaking ceremony took place. And when complete, the new terminal will have a space-themed launch pad appearance. Several innovations are designed to make embarkation and debarkation less dreaded. And these include faster outbound luggage screening, covered area for luggage stacks and carts, multi-level covered garage with four elevators. So that'll be nice. And there's going to be an elevated walkway from the garage into the terminal. And they're saying there will be a traffic signal at the entrance. And I'm not quite sure where they're going to place that, but it'll be interesting to see how it works. And Terminal 3 will initially be the home of Carnival Liberty, but also the home port for Mardi Gras later in the year. And our last talking point here, cruise ship designers are starting to pivot when it comes to looking to future cruise ship concepts. Yeah, and this is according to a report by Cruise Industry News. Ship designers are looking at ways to minimize passenger health risks. So they're working to reduce the need for touch interaction and make surfaces virus resistant. 
They're also trying to adjust public spaces for better and less cramped passenger and crew flow. Antimicrobial carpets are another innovation. Automatic doors throughout the ship, bathrooms with sensors that operate faucets and showers, and even touch-free flushing for the toilets. And this is also interesting. There could be a new hall storage area for each cabin where clothes and shoes worn prior to entering the cabin could be stored, sort of like a cubby, it sounds like. But the storage area could also be converted so that in the event of a quarantine, crew could leave food or linens there and they wouldn't have to have any passenger contact at all. Uh, More spacious crew accommodations are being looked at, as well as restaurants that might have dividers between the tables. Entertainment may be staged in open-air theaters and other outdoor venues, and of course, drastically improved medical facilities with their own quarantine areas. And wow, you know, this just, this sounds so, I don't know, gloomy. What do you think? I am all for fewer touch points after I had norovirus about seven years ago, and I really do dig the outdoor spaces. Oh, I like the outdoor theater idea also. It's just, you know, they don't sense to me to be um, so much for health as just, you know, being more modern and contemporary. And, you know, with, with the sensors for the sinks and the faucets and all that, you know, that's happening anyway. Well, I mean, on so, some ships, I will say, like, I believe on some of the carnival ships, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you still have to pump the soap and they don't have the paper towel dispensers in there. It's all the air that blows. So I'm pretty sure we'll probably be seeing more paper towel dispensers installed to grab the handles and everything. Because you know how the cruise lines have that that really cheap tissue paper to grab the doors and it sticks to your hand and everything <laughs> like that? I, I think we'll yes. see more of that. I just think we'll see a lot less less touch points and more yes. motion driven. I mean, I would mm-hmm. like to see like an Alexa or something in the cabin so you could say – turn on the lights or turn on the TV right off to touch anything, you know? Well, and then it goes to having the, uh, you know, the medallion bands or the watch, the wrist mm-hmm. devices. Um, so you're getting away from the, having the key cards and touching the light switches already. So, you know, they've, they've been moving in that direction, but now it's becoming even more of a necessity than just, you know, a, a cool enhancement. All right. Listener question from Greg. Greg asks, if I turn platinum during my carnival cruise, when do I get the perks of said status? Well, hi, Greg. And, and I'll just go over very quickly what happens when you are on the cusp of the next loyalty level. So as, as you mentioned, Doug, it's with Carnival and they base their loyalty level on amount of days sailed rather than the amount of cruises. So, for example, if you're in the middle of a cruise and you reach the next loyalty level while you're on the cruise, you will get the perks beginning at embarkation for that cruise. Now, keep in mind, if you're going to do a back-to-back before you reach that next level, as long as both bookings are linked together in the reservation, you will get the new VIFP perks for both voyages, even though you technically don't bump up until the second cruise. So you will get the loyalty love, the loyalty perks, but remember to make sure to link the back-to-back cruises together in order to get the perks for the first cruise. Hey, before we go, a couple of stories ago, we were talking about Alaska's cruise season being shortened this year. What's the temperature like up there as far as the locals and coming to that realization? Well, since you don't mean the weather temperature, although ships were due in, I think, uh, the end of this week or mm-hmm. next week. 
Um, people are a little worried. Uh, you know, these ports rely heavily, and even in the interior up in Denali, where Princess and Holland have closed the resorts for the entire season already, you know, these small towns rely on the cruise passengers. You know, you can get so many fishermen and so many fly-in lodge people, but it's the cruise people that really keep the economy going. And, you know, for example, in a lot of these small communities, whether it's Wrangell or Haynes or here or Skagway, they, you know, the merchants downtown, a lot of them shut down for the, for the off season. And a lot will not be opening when the new season gets here because there really isn't a season unless something happens. Um, now, the only thing that we're looking forward to possibly are, you know, if Alaskan Dream cruises, if Uncruises, if the smaller uh, Lindblad, if they, because they don't have to go to Canada, they're up here. But then you have the problem of people flying in and have to quarantine for 14 days before their cruise. So, you know, it's it, while one thing sounds good, uh, the, you know, having to quarantine before you can leave the hotel to begin your cruise kind of puts, you know, a, a big hiccup in vacation plans. Well, we certainly wish everyone all the best. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Jeff just returned from a seven-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. It went to the ABC Islands down there in the Southern Caribbean. Jeff joins us on the line. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Doug. Good to talk to you again. How yeah, you doing? You're up in the Chicago area, and you had to get down to San Juan for this cruise. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts on this one. So uh, when you and I last spoke about a year ago, we were in Alaska on Explore the Seas, and it was a great trip. We had awesome weather. Um, but we decided to get back to warmer climb. So we had done the eastern and the western Caribbean before. So, you know, there's so many islands still to see. So we thought we'd check out the southern Caribbean, get back on Freedom of the Seas, which we had sailed about five years ago. Um, this happened to cruise over Father's Day and our 34th wedding anniversary. So it was a nice celebration. So um, two of our four adult sons decided to go with us and uh, heading down to San Juan. You make your way to San Juan from the Chicago area. Did you do any pre-cruise stay? So we always go in a day prior. Uh, so we flew into San Juan on Saturday. The, boat, the ship goes out on Sunday. Uh, the Sheridan is uh, hotel and casino is five minutes from the port. It had come recommended. Um, so, you know, it's about a five-hour flight to get down to Chicago and then maybe a 20-minute cab ride to the hotel. So if anybody's looking to go in, highly recommend it. One thing, two things to keep in mind. One, there are 
two piers in San Juan, the day trippers, and I think Carnival go out of the San Juan cruise port, but Royal only goes out for their seven five-night cruises out of the Pan American Pier. So you have to make sure you go to the right terminal. The Pan American Pier is the one that's not, well, I guess there's hotels and you're there. Did you stay in Old San Juan, though, or did you stay like right there by the Pan American Pier? Right by the Pan American okay. Pier. There is, um, I got Marriott points, and mm-hmm. you can stay in Old San Juan. We've been to Old San Juan before, and there's a Sheridan there, there's a Marriott there. I just, you know, I'll tell you, I like to get to the port early. So for yeah. me, it's a five minute cab ride, basically. Fair enough. So you make your way to the port. Um, how was your embarkation process? Yeah, it was good. You know, you know, you never know on the board. You hear horror stories about every uh, every terminal, but uh, it was pretty straightforward. You drop your bags off at the porters. I had purchased the key, which is a new uh, perk, I guess you would call it, that offers sweet light benefits from uh, Royal, uh, which includes faster boarding, sort of like faster the fun for Carnival. Uh, plus, you get Wi-Fi for everybody and a few other perks that I'll talk about. So we got to the port around 1030. I uh, took an Uber over there. You can use Uber in San Juan, uh, but not from the airport. So once you get past the airport, then you can get into a cab. Um, we waited in their key area. This port or this ship, I could never figure out why, doesn't do facial rec, um, but <laughs> taking the picture was pretty straightforward. We got into the suites area, and then we boarded with the suites guys and gals, and the top tiers were at 11 o'clock. So at most, it was a, it was a half an hour, which is no big deal. You know what surprised me, Jeff, when I was over there uh, a few months ago was how cheap the Ubers are in San Juan. We went to um, the we, we sailed out of the Pan America Pier as well for yeah. Celebrity Summit, and we went from the pier to I think it's called like Frontiga Street where the umbrellas are. And, the umbrellas, uh, yeah, yeah, it was like five dollars, five seventy five to get there. It is crazy, like, and I think it was maybe somewhere to get to the port. And you know, they take U.S. dollars. They're obviously mm-hmm. a U.S. Commonwealth. So, yeah, highly recommended. You mentioned that you got the key, which is a lot like Carnival's Faster to the Fun. I get a lot of listener questions about that. So how was your experience? So I highly recommend it. It's one of my closing tips for this uh, for this podcast. But it, um, it was a splurge. Um, I bought it pre-cruise. They only take about 100 people. And because it was our anniversary, I really wanted to surprise my wife. And the benefits I like are <laughs> you get an honorary... We get a welcome lunch at Chops. You get private ship activities, um, priority departure when you get off the boat, which was huge. Everybody gets their own Wi-Fi, and Wi-Fi alone is 19 bucks. Mm-hmm. And you get the higher version, so we have four Wi-Fis. So I think I end up paying like 22 bucks a head, and there were four of us. And internet alone would have cost 19. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Some people may not like it. But for me, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do it. At the end of the day, it boils down to if you want to pay for convenience or not. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, I tried to upgrade to a suite. I didn't get it. And this was, you know, as close as I could get without paying sweet, light, sweet night prices. Yeah. So. so you make your way on board Freedom. What were your first impressions? So it's been five years. The boat looked great. It's going in for a refurb in December and January. It definitely needs it. But the crew is doing everything they can. To keep it clean, it looked immaculate. Um, you know, it felt like literally coming back home. And you know, everyone knows the promenade; it hadn't changed. They did a refurb about five years ago, mm-hmm. um, and so they added some new shops. But uh, Freedom's holding its own against the Oasis class. I'll say that for sure. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? So we always book a outside cabin. Uh, cabin. We were on deck eight, which I like amidships. 
Um, it's a great location. We were in room 8634 for anybody that's interested. It's literally three doors down from the stairs. We walk like you do. We never take the elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's three up to the buffet, three down to the promenade. It was really great in the sense that it was a bump out cabin, which I had never booked. I didn't try to get it, but that added a bigger balcony, more interior stateroom. So that was awesome. I threw my kids into an interior stateroom because they don't really care. And then I upgraded them. Royal has this bidding thing. I think uh, Norwegian does as well. And I bid a hundred bucks and they got upgraded to a, um, an ocean view. So that was great. Um, so yeah, all in all, it was, uh, it was great. The, the cabin doesn't have a lot of USB plugs. You know, you're it's starting to show some age after five years of wear, but, uh, you know, great shower pressure, no complaints. The room attendants were fantastic. So Highly recommend decade. You said this was a. You, did you call it a bump out cabin? Yeah, it had a. It was weird. You know, the the, the ship obviously is straight, but some of the cabins go out and over, mm-hmm. um, and so it bumps out probably three feet uh, further than a normal balcony, um, and so it added a lot of space in what was just a normal, uh, you know, ocean view or or balcony cabin. Okay. So let's talk about the food on board Freedom of the Seas, and we'll start in the, uh, you know, let's just start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and how was your experience? So we always book late time dining. Uh, we had 8.30. Uh, this cruise runs a half an hour later than most of the other cruises we've been on, which is normally 8 o'clock. That was constant across the board with all the entertainment as well. You know, it was great. Uh, we did three nights in the main dining room. Food was good. Service was great. They literally just brought us extra booze and extra food without us asking. Our servers were fantastic. They celebrated our anniversary. Um, you know, we had all you could drink package I purchased prior. So, you know, just keep the drinks coming. So really enjoyed the main dining room. Since you got the drink package, when you got a drink, did they hand you the receipt to give you the option to tip extra if you'd like? Uh, no receipt, no extra gratuity at all. I always talk them a little, you know, just as, as a favor and mm-hmm. thank you for the good service. Um, they used to do that on Royal, but I think it was a waste of paper. Yeah. And I, I never saw a receipt the whole time I was there, uh, which was great because I can't stand getting a bill at the end of uh, end of the cruise. Yeah, yeah, totally. So the Windjammer Buffet, how was that? <laughs> uh, the Jammer was good. Uh, you know, it's a buffet. You get what you get. Lots of food. Didn't change a lot, but, um, you know... Highly recommend the made-to-order omelets if you're doing breakfast. And then my wife and kid like the muesli. Uh, the service was great. They clean it really quick. They're always um, offering, you know, more tea or more coffee. We did breakfast there every morning and lunch a couple of times. So no complaints on the one, Gemma. Any specialty dining? Yeah, I purchased three on this one. Uh, I like the specialty packages. Um, the nice thing about the key is that when you board, you can drop off your bags or put them in your room. Um, if you're doing carry on and then you go immediately to chops for a lunch, it's included. It was awesome. We did dinner at chops. That wasn't as good as lunch, but we got a ton of food. So that was great. Um, we did the guacamole margarita lunch at Sabor. And then we did dinner there as well. Uh, food's great. Service is great. And then we did <laughs> the Italian at Giovanni's. It was excellent. Um, and then we splurged. We actually did the uh, chef's table. Oh, wow. So we had never done that before. It usually runs about 100 bucks. They gave us 30% off um, plus tip. And so it took three hours. It was six courses with wine, 
the service was great. The wine was great. The sous chef came out, talked about it. The sommelier did as well. Um, highly recommend if you've never done the chef's table, if you can afford it or want to splurge, definitely do it. With the specialty dining package that you purchased, could you order anything on the menu or was it up to a certain value per restaurant? We ordered literally as much as we wanted to. I had heard on some ships, chops, caps it. They don't do it in Giovanni's or in, um, maybe they do on Sabor, but we didn't see that. Literally, I think we got three helpings of everything we ordered without even asking. Uh, so, you know, my feeling on a cruise is, you know, ask if they say no. It's not a big deal, but enjoy the cruise. If you want to have two entrees, order two entrees. Any uh, burgers or pizza around the ship for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, we get the pizza joint. It was good. Um, they have their own coffee bar, bar, which is great. And the all you can drink package is there isn't a drink on the ship that I can think of, including shots or high-end espressos that you can get. So uh, enjoy that. That was a that was a nice little treat during the day to head down there. Does this ship have the um, is it called the Cafe Promenade? They do, yeah, the Cafe Promenade. They do sell sandwiches there. Um, they have some really good cookies. That's right where the, the espresso bar is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on some of the numerous ships they have at Starbucks. They don't have this on, on this boat yet, but the rumor is they're going to be getting it when it goes in for a refurb. And how was the entertainment on this seven-night cruise? So I thought the entertainment was good. You know, like I said, it starts a little bit later. Uh, some of the shows were as late as 1030, so you just got to be prepared for that, maybe take a daytime nap. Um, the nice thing about the key is you get to sit in the suite area. Um, so we would literally show up five minutes before, and we would get a prime seat. So that was a real nice perk from the key. The, the ice show was fantastic, the best we've ever seen. Um, I saw the quest and the battle of the sexes that is done bilingual. I'll mention why that is a little bit later. The comedian was funny. The headliners were really good. They had the edge effect, which is an acapella group. And then a new troupe of oral performers came on the day we did. And they did the marquee, which is a Broadway program, which the headliner, which we saw up in Alaska last year is fantastic. So absolutely recommend the shows and the entertainment on this ship. Oh, that's cool. So it was the same headliner you had a year ago. Yeah, it was. She's just, she's got a set of pipes on her. And this show is, you know, the usual suspects, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a a fan of those kinds of shows. It only lasts 45 minutes. So it's not like you have to stick around for an hour and a half. So you get, you know, Joseph and the, you know, uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat, you get some stuff from Chicago. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of fun. So some of the activities were done bilingual. Yeah. So maybe I'll just hit that right now because I think it's an important point for people to know. So the ship leaves out of San Juan or returns in San Juan. So Royal sells this in, especially during the summer, as a, a nice perk for the locals, especially for two reasons. One, they're local. They don't have to fly. And flying down to San Juan is expensive. Um, and the other thing is that it, uh, it's bilingual. So I think your, your audience needs to understand that Spanish is the primary language of the good majority of the passengers and in the event and the crew. Um, so it's Spanish and English. So with the exception of the headliner shows, which were in English, the other ones were all bilingual. Um, and I was sort of wondering because I it got a sense of that it was about 75 or 80 percent of the folks on the cruise were uh, from Puerto Rico. And I learned that about 80% of the residents of Puerto Rico, which is the U.S. Commonwealth, 
don't speak English really well. And so, you know, they, Spanish is the primary language for 95% of the population. So it's just an expectation that you're going to have to hear the um, things in Spanish the entire career. Just be aware of that. So like the safety drill was done in two languages as well? Actually, three. They did Spanish, English, and then they did a European. I think it was French. Um, but yeah, you can expect that you're going to hear Spanish all around the ship and from most of the crew. How was the music um, around the ship and along the promenade? I thought it was okay. Um, I didn't think the pool band was very good. They did a little bit of entertainment in the promenade. Uh, they had a same quartet. Um, I think Royal could step their game up here. It was much better on Explorer of the Sea, which was a little bit cooler climb. Um, but I really like that. Um, we normally spend a lot of time in the Scooter Bar, which is down on four by the casino. And uh, they always have a piano person. And for some reason, we didn't spend a lot of time there, which I regret, because um, normally the piano player is really good. Let's talk about the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion. So as you expect, it was busy in the main pool. Um, Solarium was crowded, but we never had any trouble finding uh, room in the shade. My wife doesn't really like the sun. Um, you know, you just got to be cognizant of moving around the buffet area. You get a little busy, you know, as usual on sea days. But I had no complaints. I mean, the boats, I think the ship is about 4,300 plus crew. And I thought it handled it really well. How was the smoke situation in and around the casino? I'm not a fan. I have asthma. And the smoking, I thought, was pretty strong in the casino. My wife didn't notice it as much. But I, I got to be frank. I am ready for ships to be non-smoking. It flowed up because the promenade is right above it on uh, five. And, and you walk from the schooner bar um through it it was pretty bad and so uh and there's a lot of smoking on i think it's the port side of deck 11 which is the pool deck and then they have the kind of sewer club which is a closed in ventilated cigar bar that place honestly for all the smoking i never noticed an issue um so i think uh it, i think it's time personally for uh for the smoking to go how about around the ship like the pool deck which is a pretty decent size on freedom and the restaurants the promenade was crowded, um, especially as people coming back off from their uh, their destinations on the on the island. Um, you could move through. It was kind of interesting um, because of the predominance of the local population. They dressed up a lot for um, the formal nights, which I hadn't seen a lot. And Royal is actually moving probably more towards carnival in that they're relaxing their standards. Um, and But there were a lot of teams on this, and we asked around. And during the formal night, the, the celebration of a girl's 15th birthday in Spanish um, uh, countries is a big deal. And so they dressed up for it. So they were dressed to the nines. Um, and so it got very busy on picture night. So just keep that in mind. If you want to take a picture on your cruise and you happen to take this cruise, just be very aware that the lines get really long because they're probably celebrating uh, this event. Let's talk about the ports of call you went to on this seven-night cruise. So give me the port of call and then the highlight from that port. All right. So left San Juan, had a sea day, pulled into Aruba. It's really hot. Aruba is known for being windy. windy. It was about 40 miles an hour steady. Wow. And we did a pirate ship snorkeling excursion um the spawn <clears throat> the ocean was really choppy um but they stopped at three different dive sites one was a german uh, warship 
but seas were running probably four foot swells. Mm -hmm. And so if you are not a really good swimmer, my boys and I are, um, you got to be careful because it's, uh, it, it can be a little intimidating, but, uh, a lot of fish, um, the other two spots were very calm and we liked Aruba, but it's very hot. So just be aware of that when you go to Aruba. Then we went to Curacao. It was hot and windy. Uh, based on your recommendation, we did the Erie Eastside Tour mm -hmm. uh, when we spoke last year. It's an open-air bus with <laughs> all the beer and wine you can drink. Good tour the islands. Um, we did. We stopped at the tour center where they make blue Curacao. Uh, see how it was made. That was cool. Spent some money there. So the one thing, getting back to what I was saying, is given the boat demographics, our tour was done in Spanish. And then we had a personal interpreter that did it English, but it was really hard to hear because it's open air bus and Spanish is on the microphone. So my recommendation is if you want to do this tour and it was a lot of fun is check with the tour company and see if they're running multiple buses that, so you might have a Spanish bus and an English bus so you can make sure you can hear the, uh, the commentary. Uh, then we went to Bonaire. We did a beach day at a family owned resort called Harbor Village. This is awesome. So it's off season down there because uh, of hurricanes, even though they don't get them that far in the Southern uh, Caribbean, because they're only about 17 miles off the coast of Venezuela. 55 bucks include a $15 credit for lunch per person. It's a beautiful area. It's 10 minutes from the port. Again, I grabbed an Uber. They have a private snorkel area. Can't say enough about Harbor Village. Definitely check it out. Uh, then we went to St. Martin. We've been there before, but we tried it up in something a little different. We did what's called flavors of St. Martin food tour. Mm -hmm. So you have the Dutch side and the French side. So we did cheese and wine, oh, awesome Creole smoked ribs and chicken place. And then saw my whole beast and realized how small that was Stop near the airport just to see a couple of planes land and hit a French pastry shop. Um, you know, the one thing that was interesting is we drove all around the island. There's still a lot of damage from St. Martin from the hurricane and a ton of boats still overturned in the harbor. Um, so they're definitely rebuilding but easy to get around, highly recommend it. Um, the other thing I'll say about the key program and embarkation for your excursions is you get a benefit. You get your own line for getting on and off the port. So that's huge when you're doing tendering. Now, we had no tender ports, but the lines were still pretty long, and we were the only one in the key line. You got on and off in 30 seconds, so highly recommend it. Good to know. Does the price of the key vary on the itinerary? So what I've heard is it varies based on boat itinerary and the time of year. So I think we paid $22, somewhere around there, 24 bucks a person, but I could hear, I've heard it could go up into the 30s. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a luxury. You're splurging. But for me, it's uh, it's a definite winner. Yeah, sounds like it. So after St. Martin, uh, was that your last port of call? It was. We had one more sea day, which I liked. It was a nice mix of sea days and hitting the island um, and before we head back to San Juan. It's always good to have that sea day right before you get back to port. So you can kind of slowly descend back into the atmosphere where it's not just a port of call and then boom, get off the ship, you know? Exactly. I really enjoyed that last day. It's sad, but you're, it's because you're, you're coming home, but uh, it's, it's nice and relaxing. We just stayed in the Solarium the whole day. Yeah, I bet. Any first-time tips to offer? So a couple of, bring your passport. It is a U.S. Commonwealth. These are U.S. citizens, um, but uh, to get to the islands, you always want to make sure you have your CPAS card and then at least a passport. That way you don't have to travel with, you know, two forms of ID. Um, flights to San Juan can be expensive, especially out of Chicago. I think we paid about 800 bucks. 
So, you know, be prepared. You're going to spend a fair amount of money to get down there. Um, highly recommend the key. Talked about that. We talked about the language. Uh, so just be aware of that. Um, and then one tip, I didn't realize this. As you come out of, you get to the airport to come home to go San Juan, your bags have to go through an immigration screening before you check in. So just make sure you do that. It's not easy to find, um, but you just, it's quick scan, but make sure you do that. Otherwise, you're going to get delayed before you can, uh, you can get through TSA. Yeah, and you know what? They don't even really tell you you have to scan them. You kind of figure that out on your, by yourself when you get to the airport, right? Like you're thinking you're hey, going to check your hey, bag. Yeah. yeah, and then you're I like, had oh. no idea. I mean, I've got status with American, mm-hmm. and the woman that I talked to stopped me and said, if you screen your bag, I said, no, no. And, and she's like, you need to go over there. It was quick and painless. But they need a big sign. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the people that are listening to this podcast know that you got to do that. <laughs> well, the CEO of American Airlines is named Doug Parker, too. So maybe he's listening to this show. <laughs> well, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, looking back, what was the highlight of your cruise? So I think it was two things. The chef's table, uh, for sure, and uh, the day at, at Bonaire. Um, yeah, I'm not sure we'd go back to the ABC Islands. It was sort of a punch the ticket, mm-hmm. but uh, those were definitely two highlights. And highly recommend for anybody that has, hasn't taken this cruise, you know, get on Freedom of Seas, check it out. Just be aware of, you know, sort of the islands are pretty arid and you're basically, it's a lot of beach stuff. Well, in closing here, Jeff, final thoughts of Freedom of the Seas. So it's like going home. We love the boat. We're glad we did it. Next year, we're heading back on Explore the Seas, heading to Rome to see the Greek islands. So we're, uh, we're staying loyal for oil uh, one more time. Jeff, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you again. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.